Hello, welcome back to the We Dive Deeper podcast, series two friends. Can I get a hell fucking yes? My name is Kate McGill and this is the podcast where small talk goes to die. It's where my guests pick at random from 70 of my all-time favourite questions, each one as personal and intrusive as the last. I am so stupidly happy to be back doing this, being back in your ears, feels so good. Thanks for letting me be there. So I'm going to be trying something a little bit different this series. As some of you may know, I am on a site called Patreon, patreon.com slash Kate McGill for all those out there who want to go and have a look at my page. And it's a site where people can support their favorite creators and everything that they do. So for series two, I have been training it around the UK, staying in different Airbnbs to talk to some of my upcoming guests. And whilst it has been so fun and so amazing, uh, it's also been expensive. Let's call the spade a spade, folks. So with that in mind, I will be offering the last 10, 15 minutes of every single episode exclusively to my patrons. Not only will you get the episodes earlier, but you'll now get the fully fledged episodes for as little as $1 a month. And if you don't have the money or you just don't feel like it, that is totally fine. I appreciate you just the same. But for those of you who do want to support me in the podcast, you can do at patreon.com slash Kate McGill. It will massively help me. It will help me live and it will help me produce further episodes and content for you and I'd be forever in your debt. Okay, with that out of the way, let's move on to episode one. My guest today is Sarah Goodhart. She was on the 14th series of Geordie Shaw and she was on X on the Beach and it's actually quite funny how we came into contact. She uploaded a video detailing everything behind her experience with Geordie Shaw and how traumatic it was for her and how little it seemed that they cared about the people within the show. Uh, And I thought it was so brave and amazing and she came across so well and so differently to how she was kind of edited to come across in Geordie Shaw. So I tweeted her and I sent her some love and some admiration and she replied saying, hey, I used to watch your YouTube videos. So I was like, this is mental. So I thought given that Love Island has ended now and we all need a bit of a reality TV fix because I love it just as much as the next guy, it would be really cool to chat to her. So I got a flight over to Newcastle and spent the night with her. Wait, that sounds weird. We didn't spend the night together, but uh, she did take me out for a chicken Kiev pizza. And it was such an awesome night. It was so awesome to get to know her. And this chat is probably one of my favorites so far. So without further ado, I really hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. And here's my chat with Sarah Goodhart. So today I'm in Newcastle. I've made the journey on a hangover to come and see Sarah Goodhart who I don't know how I stumbled across you, actually, because I hadn't seen you in Geordie Shore. Yeah. But I'd heard about your YouTube video first. Mm -hmm. So I watched that and just thought, this girl's amazing. I tweeted you. You tweeted back. We're like, oh, wow. Like, I used to watch your videos. I was like, what the fuck? And then I went back and watched Geordie Shore. And it was after hearing everything you'd said, I was like, fuck me. This girl really really went through it oh my god i didn't realize that you actually went and watched geordie shaw after seeing the video yeah 
Oh, bless you. That is so canny. And you were on, I never saw X on the beach. You were on that too? Oh my God. Yeah. You don't want to watch that. <laughs> Which one did you do first? I did X on the beach first. I was literally a baby. I must have been like, maybe I was like 19, 20 when I did that. Like, Fuck. Yeah. How did you, um, how did they cast you for that? So they DM'd me on Twitter um, and they DM'd my boyfriend at the time, which was actually really weird because we actually weren't exes. Oh, weird. It's a strange situation. That's Martin. Oh, Martin, that, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and then, like, we were both meeting up with the producers, like, trying to sort it out. And then, like, I just one day went to him and I was like, are you talking to X and the features on? He was like, yeah. And I was like, so what, what are we going to do about the search? And he was like, well, why don't we just go? Um and like pretend that we're exes and then we'll just like reunite there oh so it's like so fucking fake yeah yeah uh and then we actually like did actually break up like three days before he flew out Whoa. so that's why like when i went out i was i was crazy like next level like so sad about the sitch when i got there and then everyone when it actually came out and people were tweeting about it they were like oh my god why is this crazy girl going on like this it's as if they're still together i'm like yeah we literally were like just a hot minute before we came out yeah and then obviously i had to get there and then he'd already been like getting with people and stuff so that one was pretty rad but it was nowhere near as like traumatic as geordie shaw because he actually ended up getting kicked off like a few days after because he was so dehydrated he just doesn't eat like good food he just want like chicken nuggets and shit and he would never drink water and obviously in mexico shit. so it got shipped away so i just had like a holiday after that like i was just chilling so that one wasn't so bad and how long did that process last the x on the beach bit i think um we filmed it in like three weeks oh, okay so like super quick yeah and geordie shaw was how long over like the whole so geordie shaw was filmed in two parts and we thought that it was like two different seasons like we didn't realize that it was one big season being filmed over one part because like i say that they were really deceitful yeah, so, we have to get into this whole fucking story oh gosh. for people that don't know it's it. It's a rabbit hole. Yeah. MTV, you're going to put a bullet in my brain. If anything <laughs> happens to us, you know why. Uh, well, if you're listening, MTV, hello. Welcome to the weed. <laughs> oh, no, but if you haven't um, haven't watched Sarah's YouTube video, go and watch it. It's called The Truth, Sarah Goodhart. Uh, and you go into like pretty, like a lot of detail about like the hell that you went through. Mm-hmm. So talk us through it from like day one. Obviously, I'm guessing they found out about you then from x on the beach yeah. that's where you were on their radar yeah so it's like the same team of like producers and casting people and stuff um i think to be honest i always liked martin more because he was like super charismatic like he's made for television do you know what i mean like he can handle it he loves it like loves the drama etc um but yeah they basically like approached me for that and then like what what annoyed us so much about that and what people I think sometimes don't grasp because I get a lot of like the diehard like fans and stuff being like you're a liar this isn't true like like look at like all the other people who are on all different shows and I'm like the thing is the difference between say Geordie Shaw and uh like Towie or Maiden Chelsea is they film they go home they have their phone they have a bath they can speak to their family they can do whatever and then they go back whereas Geordie Shaw is more, you're there, you're not allowed your phone, you're not allowed any contact with anyone from the outside world, um, you get drunk every night and then you start filming at 8am, so like, they want you to be ratty, kind of thing, right. but what the thing that, like, that's all good and well, but the thing that I think put me in such a stressful position was that they told me that I was just going to be like a permanent cast member, and so like, 
was like all right cool like left my job like left a lot of things behind for it which they don't realize they just say it's like a number like statistic kind of thing and then when i obviously get there and they don't actually reveal you that it's a process of elimination until midway through like filming like a weekend or something and then i was like well now they've put me in such a compromising position because i can't be myself and i can't be this like fun bubbly character that i would love to be for them because that's what they cast me for because i'm like obviously had anxiety depression etc i was like this is like such an awful position to be in i don't want to be competing against other people like i don't want to be in this high pressure environment whereby the older cast members like they literally had a bell that they could ring and like we'd have to run and get them it was so fucking degrading are you actually joking they had a bell if you if you watch it back like knowing that you would be like this is actually really degrading i'm not like like a young girl i was like a friggin' like maybe how old would i be like 24 like 24 year old woman like i don't want to be tret like that yeah um wait so the the older cast or the more like original ones yeah. they would ring a bell for you to get <laughs> yeah so we had to basically be doing these tasks to like impress them but obviously it had absolutely sod all to do with who they picked by the way the producers picked and right. they would just like whisper in their ears like you've got to say this person um but yeah it was just a really like dehumanizing and i know like it's jolly sure like i'm not it's not the friggin' apprentice. I'm not there to be like all serious and like chill out and do meditation every day. But you still have to be tret like a normal person. And then that's what annoyed is because like I say, we filmed it in two parts. So like after part one, like we were obviously like, oh, well, we must have like made it through to like the final cast or whatever. And then we get to part two, which is skiing. Literally like just about to go skiing. And then they're like, oh yeah, this actually isn't over. Like we're doing that process again. And then I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And I guess, like, do you reckon they almost delayed telling you that so that you would oh, be 100%. More I wouldn't off. have turned up to part two if I'd known it was that. And I don't think any of us would. Jesus. And so we were literally trapped. Can you imagine? Yeah. Didn't well, have I mean, my I phone, can't. not able to contact someone. Like, and the producers kind of like, I mean, not all of them. Like, I don't want to like badmouth them all because some of them were really nice people. But the best producers were the ones who were completely heartless because they could like get the tea. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But they kind of like brainwash you in at the fact of when this first happened. I was like, look, I have put a lot on the line for this. Like, I don't, I don't really want this to be the situation. I feel like you've really like had the wool over my eyes to get me here, and I don't appreciate it kind of thing. And they're like, yeah, but now you are here. Do you want to ruin the situation for yourself, or do you want to take the chance? And I was like, yeah, like, at that time, I was like, yeah, good point. Like, I've done the whole process. Like, I might as well see, see it if I make end. it to yeah. the end. But then I think if I had actually been made permanent, I would not have lasted. Do you know what I mean? Really? How long do you think you would have carried it I, on? I, I don't even know if I would have done the season after, to be Fucking honest. Hell. Um, But yeah, I think at that time in my life, like I touched on in the video, like, I just felt really vulnerable. Like, I didn't really know where my life was going I just knew I wanted like I want to be rich I still want to be rich do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so I would have done anything to have got money at that point I think that's what like made me think yeah I'm gonna put my all into it and when I was a bit younger I kind of wanted like that sort of like the fame and like all that like it appealed to me like I wanted to be like a somebody kind of thing um I talk about this with my therapist and she's like it's called perfectionisms whereby like I think I felt like I always had to prove people wrong and that I wanted to be like this huge like character whether that was fame or whatever I, w- I wanted it right. I didn't know what it was 
And then when I had a taste of it, I was like, yeah, fuck that. I don't want that. Wow. Do you think Geordie Shaw like exacerbated all of your like mental health kind of problems? Oh my God, yes. Because you you suffered from like anxiety and depression anyway, right? Yeah. And that, I mean, that was, I guess, like a breeding ground for that. Yeah. It's just like for people to say that it's not a toxic environment, like what they want is obviously the argument. Like they want like, romances to blossom like the one people are like sleep together like the want you to be like at each other's throats i'm sorry but like if anyone says that's not the concept they're a liar because it is yeah it is um and obviously like i say like i just felt trapped like i don't know where these like this always speak of like therapists on site like i asked to see several times never got the chance because the schedule was so tight like i don't know like i it's such a hard thing because unless you've been through it, it's so hard to describe because people are like, oh, you complain about nothing. But like when I say my day job that I had at the time was so much easier than what I did, I would much rather just been at work. Like, do you know what I mean? And so they, when you asked for help, they didn't give you it? No, because there was several times, like I say in the video, like asked for medication, didn't get that. Like, because it's a long line, like before it gets to the top, you have to go through like a runner and then like a producer and then such and such, so on and so forth take days to get anything done and this they openly admitted that schedule was very tight because there was so many new cast members oh my god um, and so on your down days which is meant to be where you're relaxing you would just have to do green screen all day so so it's not a down day at all no nah, not at all so what was the schedule like I, th- I think it was you film for three or four days and then you're meant to get your down day and on that down day you get a request so on that request you could either have a phone call home or you could like be taken to the shops or something but like they would literally like they'd follow you everywhere so you couldn't be like oh it gives a look at your phone or like go and slightly text your mate or anything like that um that is like that feels very yeah this is weird. what i like, think cultish almost. oh my god you've got no idea like people don't realize like geordie shaw is very different to the other reality shows i yeah, think in that sense it. um but i think it's one of them things like how long's reality tv been out like not that much longer than a decade maybe like Paris Hilton like made it big do you yeah. know what I mean I think it's one of them things where not enough people have experienced it because it's such a niche amount of people who actually know what it's like to know the long-term effects of it obviously now we are seeing that because there is people taking their own lives and um, you you fucking predicted that I predicted it I put that video out because I said this is going to push someone too far two people later mm-hmm. and I mean that's getting proven I honestly think in maybe another 10 years time it might actually be banned because it is like, and I, this is where the kind of my own morals come into question here because mm-hmm. it's so entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like, you're watching Love Island? Yeah, this is yeah. what I mean. Like, I think people have this perception that I'm like, oh, like, fuck reality television. Like, it shouldn't be around, like, this, that, and the other. And I think, no, you can, you can watch it responsibly. And I think that's what we're kind of, I think there's a responsibility as a viewer and there's a responsibility as a producer. And I think they both need to be met better. So, for instance, last year, I was watching Love Island. And I would tweet about Love Island. I would hashtag Love Island. And I would say stuff. I would never, ever comment on, like, like their appearance or anything. Or because I know how things are edited, I would only ever comment on things that had came from their mouth, not in, like, a green screen situation. So, like, their behaviour, do you know what I mean? Which is fair. Never in, like, a negative way. Like, just, like, funny stuff in a constructive way. And then those tweets would always get picked up by the press. Like, they would go viral. Like, it was really good for engagement. But this year, I was like, 
I'm still going to watch Love Island, but I'm not going to promote it. I'm not going to really talk about it. Like, I'm just going to watch it, see how it unfolds. But I don't really want to feed into it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because I, I, I really struggle to understand when people are just mean for the sake of mean. Like, yeah. And they'll jump on and because it you like you said it's like it's so heavily edited they can make you look a certain way that feels yes. like it's obvious but people jump on that bandwagon and like people hated Joe because they thought he was controlling oh my god and then like so... a week later they're all like oh no he's fine now but like people go in on these people and this is this is kind of the point I'm trying to make is that I'm not seeing like reality television shouldn't be there what it should be is I think it should be more like constructively thought about and it should have a touch more of like like a positive resolution at the end of it do you know what I mean it should just be a bit more of a positive vibe like I love the episodes where they're really getting on and like they're having fun and shit like I actually do love to see that or when the outcome you want happens like Tommy and Molly Mae for instance like I love that and I think I don't know why producers haven't grasped it we like to see that much as like we like to see that stuff as much as like all the shitty stuff yeah and I think we also need to realize that the target audience for these is young people and we do need to think like these are our most watched television shows how are they influencing the younger generation because at the minute they're kind of just screaming we need to literally physically compete in the instance of Love Island for the attention of the opposite sex um yeah that's kind of weird when you put it like that yeah because that's that's what it is um so I think we just all need to progress. We need to progress as viewers. We need to be more sensitive and realise these are people's sons, daughters, etc. Um, and I think producers need to start thinking maybe we need to be a bit less brutal and we do need the aftercare in place and we need like we need to be clear with these people about what's going to happen after, etc. Because yeah. like, people are always just like, oh, like you sign up for it. Like I feel like if you go into the comments on my YouTube video there's a lot of victim blaming in it and I'm not saying that like I'm not at fault at all like I know what Geordie Shore is like I'm not stupid but I don't think I deserve to be treated how I was treated and I don't think I deserved to be in such a bad place mentally after as a result and this is why I say I do think in years to come we'll realize more as a society um how heavily it affects the cast and it just affects like I mean, everyone who comes out of Love Island, for instance, becomes an influencer. And so we yeah, just like need straight to, away, their yeah. job is that, essentially. So we just need to be thinking, like, this is such a huge thing. It's whirlwind and because of Instagram. How can we sort of make sure it doesn't go too far? And I mean, in a way, it already has. So we kind of mm. need to rein it back in, I yeah. feel. Yeah, because they, like you, like you said on the video, they you do a psych test, right? But it's all bullshit because everyone lies. Yeah. Like you do do the psych test, and what what does that consist of? Like, what is it? So, for instance, they'll ask you, um, like they do, they ask you stuff about your childhood, and like they they get they deep, do a wee yeah, they do a wee dive deeper, basically. But they'll be like the yes or no questions. So, have you ever struggled with mental health? Have you ever had a criminal conviction? Like, have you ever physically harmed someone? Like that sort of stuff. Okay. If you want to be in this show, you're not going to sit there and go, yeah, yeah, got like loads of mental disorders like okay, beat someone right. up once got arrested like you're just not gonna so it's do just it kind of a known thing and they mustn't research after because if they did then half of the people that were there would not be there so that just makes no it they're just ba- they do it for insurance purposes yeah 100 yeah. percent. 
and the aftermath obviously you the the lowest bit for you was the skiing bit right yeah talk us through that for people who haven't seen your video if if you want to yeah so obviously when we got skiing i realized it was again like process of elimination kind of vibe um first off like we never actually got taught how to ski we did one skiing lesson but it was filmed so like it wasn't an actual skiing lesson it was just like oh go down the hill with this guy and like look happy about it kind of thing so when everyone else is doing the skiing I couldn't physically participate because I'd never been before like I could do the smallest hill but like I had no idea what I was doing and like that's when I started like having my panic attacks and stuff and then um I have like anemia as well so like I need to take like an iron tablet which like if you have anemia like um you're like have like chronic exhaustion like your muscles ache like you're super tired and you're really irritable like and you're like on no sleep anyway yeah right? exactly so drinking like really little amount of sleep like no one was getting us me tablets everyone was just ignoring us because i think i wasn't one of like the feisty ones like i would be really polite to people and unless you're literally an absolute dick to them which like some people were you're not gonna get what you want and i just think there's so many things that just slipped through the net and like i don't want to blame one person it was like the whole team as a whole like there was just little bits that they kept missing that i was like that's actually quite dangerous and i think hopefully like they'll work on that and that I, I hope that they don't listen to the things that i say and think god sarah's such a such a dick or she's such a liar because it's just it's not the well, case given everything that's yeah. gone on like it's not like you're the only fucking person saying this this is clearly yeah. a thing that is happening and it's alarming how many people have messaged me after that video and were like they're on like big shows and they're like yeah i completely agree with everything you said i wish i could show public support but i can't because of either contracts or you know i'm in this industry now like i need more work and stuff like that Bloody um, hell. that's what when you're saying it's a cult before like it really is yeah it feels like you you're not allowed to speak to your family and friends when you're there but also you're just made to be quiet after not mm. that's just fucked i know and i often think like i don't know how i got away with what i did but i suppose it would look so much worse if I released that video and then they're like, yeah, we're suing Sarah Goodhart. Yeah, what was the reaction? Um, What, from their part? From, yeah, well, from like peers on the show or like the people in the team or friends, Do you friends, know what? Family. It's amazing because everyone from the show I'm still friends with, everyone was so supportive Um, because they know that like what I'm saying is true, but they yeah. just know that they're a bit mentally stronger like they were a bit wiser to it so and they also weren't in a situation like we were like what was happening to us they were like that's not fair like sophie at one point physically cried and she was like what you're doing to these people isn't right do you know what i mean obviously we've never shown that but yeah everyone's been so supportive like still friends with all of them and i think they could just see how bad i was when i was there it's like it's like cry all the time at the start it was kind of like a bit of a joke within the show like everyone's like oh Sarah's got the waterworks on again. Do you know what I mean? Right. But it's just because I just found it like such a... I don't know. I'm the sort of person I need to stop. I need to recharge. Like I need to not be around people. And when you're in a house of like so many people and like you don't you don't get two minutes yourself. Like even like on... If you're in a club, like if you go to the toilet, like they'll follow you in the toilet. Do you know what I mean? So... Fucking hell. It's very, very intense. So was there any like aftermath care? Um, They tried to reach out to me through my agent because of the video because of the video oh fucking hell a bit late for that yeah but i was so scared i was like just tell them to delete my number like i don't want to ever speak to them wow um 
but yeah does that does that stuff and that period of your life like still affect you today heavily really in talk about it in therapy all the time like you don't realize oh oh <laughs> sorry about that guys <laughs> um oh it's just carrying on yeah you don't realize like how much like how does it manifest um well for a long while like i was actually like unemployed after i was doing like i think the first few months because i was on the telly like the instagram posts were enough to get by on do you know okay, what i mean yeah. and then after that like i was too embarrassed and i was too anxious to like return to especially my, my previous job which i absolutely loved um that sucks i just wouldn't have went back after that and then yeah i was literally on like job seekers because i was like i didn't want to work but like i had to like just do what i could and like sort myself out and i literally just became this like depressed mess who would just lie in bed all day like yeah it was quite sad i think my parents are quite alarmed wow. by how it was after and it wouldn't have been like that if i hadn't have done it but then at the same time like people ask us do you regret it i still say no because right. i'm like i feel like i had to go through it like yeah like we were saying before the podcast started like we've both feel like we've gone through so many lows now mm-hmm. that the only way is actually up well that's how it feels you're like well I, you kind of have to choose to be happy because there is so much stuff yeah. that can bring you down every fucking day oh my god you're not wrong there i have so much i still want to ask you um okay so being an insider how just how fake and scripted are these shows right so when you say it's scripted you don't have a physical script in front of you saying sarah and then like well actually sometimes you do so there's two different parts obviously there's like the main part where someone will have a sheet in front of them some sort of producer and it'll say like the theme of what the scene is and they'll be like make sure you ask Sahida this or make sure you ask sarah that like they'll have the questions written out and they'll say it you you ask this person this now do you know what i mean like it's, okay it's not always natural and comes from you whereas in green screen there is physically someone from london like in an office writing your lines and like yeah because some of them yeah. some of them are natural some of them are organic that you come out with because they'll ask you questions but they'll have ones and they'll say we need this for the edit and it'll be like lines and then there'll be ones where you're like i'm not seeing it and they're like you have to see it otherwise like yeah, what was the one that you had to say yes. you were like what the literally fuck? something about martin having like a donkey dick or something i don't know it was horrendous anyways but i just couldn't believe i was literally sat there like i ain't seeing it and like everyone in the room just had their head down because they were like this is so wildly inappropriate you can't force someone to say that and like the but they did with me was like you need to say this otherwise like your shift isn't finished like i need this to be said so I just said it because I was like, right, fucking girl. Yeah. Like, I just need to get out, yeah. But there's so, so many different instances of that. It's not just that. And then, yeah, it's... So it's, it's, it's pretty... To say it's scripted is true, yeah. Wow, and, and what about, like, storylines and stuff? Like, do they, before filming the show, they have kind of a clear idea of where they want to end the show? I think so. I think they're clever enough to know how things will pan out. Like, they'll obviously know they're going to put me in there. That's going to piss Chloe off because I'm Martin's ex-girlfriend. She's, like, madly in love with him at the time. They know there's going to be a controversy there. They, I feel like they just know all the routes that'll happen because they're experts. That's why they're in the right. job. Do you know what I mean? And do you reckon they have kind of, like, psychologists and stuff there to be like, okay, what do do we think this person's going to react in this way? How, yeah. Like, I, the, I think so. so I, spe- I used to speculate it? about it all the time and I'd be like, 
I don't know I just feel like they they know how to veer you in the direction of doing it like they would tell you false things about the other person oh well this person said this about you to make you have an argument with them like this is how brutal it is but they tell you that like off screen yeah off the the off camera stuff is the bad stuff really yeah so what's the off camera stuff can you remember like specific things that were just like what is actually happening obviously the the one the feud between me and zahida and And um, you were friends right we were best friends before that show like we're good friends again now thank god oh thank god but um that was because it was pretty broken for a while right i remember you saying in the end of your video like it hasn't really been the same since yeah but it's you it's good now yeah thank god but like they would like say stuff to both me and her but oh well she she said this you know like she did this or they'd imply things like when you do new green screen and they'd ask you a question and I'd be like, well, I know you've asked her that same question. So what's her response? They can't tell you. But they'd be like, oh, well, I mean, do you know what I mean? Like they're trying to just like veer it to what would make the good Fucking final hell. cut. It's, it's brutal. It People really have is. no idea. Like I couldn't believe there was an article that came out recently about how on love islands down there they go to the beach and people were so shook by it they were like oh my god can't believe this like this ruins the whole show and i was like you just have no idea what goes on like people i think people just think that these chats just happen naturally you know whenever there's like a main scene there'll be a full-on camera crew of about 15 people around them with a camera in their face at that moment like it's not all done on the little eyelet cams so like yeah that makes sense actually yeah <laughs> so like you people think that it's just so natural it just flows and it's just so not true there'll be someone going so Molly, you ask such and such this now. Do you know what I mean? That's that's how how mad like, it is. Fucking hell. Like I definitely I think when I first started watching reality TV, like Made in Chelsea and Tower and stuff. Yeah. Because I am I just fucking love it. Yeah. But I I definitely convinced myself that it was like really real. Or mm-hmm. as real as it could be. Yeah. But but it does just make so much sense, especially when like stuff like Love Island is such the quality is always so good all the time. There's no way that normal life would just carry on like yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? It must be so kind of manufactured. But it's just, it's crazy when you think of how manuf- manufactured it is. And then these people have to be okay with the fact that they may be portrayed in a certain way. Like, yeah. I'm guessing when you came out of Geordie Shore, people had like made up their mind about you. Oh my and- God, yeah. And that was part of the reason why I did the video. Because at the time I was just like, right, like, I was just sad and I was just like I'll just like take the hit like people think I'm this like villain or like this like stupid like girl whatever and then I was like I was like you know what I'm not gonna let these people take my identity of who I really am I was like because I know who I really am I didn't even have the chance to really portray properly who I really was when I was there because it was just such a horrible environment and nobody would like listen to us whatever but I was just like yeah I'm not gonna not gonna just lie down and take it anymore like I'm gonna stand up for myself and it's it's good because I feel like people who follow me and stuff now are like such authentic followers like they're like so nice to us get lush messages every day and i'm like i'm so glad i did that because if i didn't they would have just thought that i was that yeah do you you think that video was kind of a turning point for you then a million percent and i was so scared when i put it out i literally uploaded it like slammed my laptop shut and just like put it away for like an hour and like i thought maybe a few people would see it like i didn't think it would go yeah because it went pretty viral right well yeah the next day i woke up and it was on like the snapchat stories and the press wanted to speak to us and like mtv like apparently like when agent was like yeah i've had everyone on the phone today like this has caused quite the corruption but like we loved it though because we were like yeah well that's that's good like it's had an effect and 
I really do think it made people think. Like I've had people saying like, um, I'm I'm still watching reality TV, but I'm watching it in a totally different light. Yeah, or I think I I actually I am with them. Like yeah. I definitely saw reality TV differently after I watched your video. Yeah, for sure. And how cool that you have been the person who's been in it and is speaking the truth. Like how cool with no one else is fucking doing I that. Know. You're amazing. I think everyone was just so scared and tied in a contract, but because they'd already fucked me over i was like well i already know i'm not gonna do this again so like let's do it let's have it you know what i mean bloody hell and then there's i think the best thing was when people who had worked on that series with me messaged me and said you know what you were you were right like i saw that happen and it made me so uncomfortable to see this going on like a professional environment i'll make sure i never make another cast member feel like that like that was when i was like yeah i did right well, wait, so producers and people that were yeah. in the teams have been people like, People who realized. were involved in it have messaged me privately and being like, you were right, like that was really wrong and Fuck. we won't ha- let it happen again. So you could quite literally have changed the course of definitely even in Geordie Shore, they've been like, okay, we know how bad it can get. We make sure I we I hope won't. so. That's so fucking cool, Sarah. Yeah. That's amazing. What a whirlwind though, right? <laughs> You'd like fucking hell who would have thought that just signing up to like a little thing and then yeah ending it like whoa what just happened because i'm guessing that's like that's a huge event in your life that's probably shaped you as a human being it, entirely yeah, it's, it's so strange because i was so 50 50 on doing it i'm so i am so glad that i did i mean ask us again if like i get thrown in prison in like five years with that enough evidence be like fuck you folks <laughs> <laughs> So I'm guessing you would never in a million years do TV again. Right. So the only one thing I would do again, if I got the chance again, like I've done it, I haven't done it. Strictly come dancing. I would fuck with heavily. Wow. I'd love to do Strictly. Wait, because you were like doing dancing at the moment, right? Yeah. You're like pole dancing. <laughs> I don't know where you got the pole dancing from. Is it pole dancing? It's quite like, some of it's quite sexy. It varies week to week. I want to but... do it. Oh my god! Oh, if you were here on Tuesday, you could have done it. There'll be one on Tuesday night. I well. like love dancing. Yeah, it doesn't mean I'm good at it, but I fucking no. Love I'm it. T- I'm really literally quite terrible at it, which is like such an <laughs> ironic thing because for a long time I worked like in Newcastle, like as and I'm doing quotation marks with my fingers, a dancer, like a hostess, we call them in Newcastle. You don't actually have to have any technical dance skills, but you just wear underwear and like walk around the club and like shimmy a bit. I literally slipped under the radar for like seven years as someone who on the surface could dance, but I'm actually really, really bad. I don't know. I've seen videos of you. you well, can... I mean, it's thanks to Kirstie's training. Kirstie, if you're listening, you're amazing. <laughs> but um, I would want to do strictly i'd be i'd probably be like the joke act like you know like the gc like i'd probably <laughs> yeah. like be out in week three but i mean stacy dooley she wasn't a professional and she won it so very true <laughs> do you still have like an agent then for the, any of that kind of stuff i do yeah I've, I've had the same agent since i first came out and it's good because like they could have went badly with that because they obviously have a really good relationship with mtv because they have geordie shaw cast members on the agency and like my agent was actually like really supportive and he was like i think it's really good what you're doing with youtube like we'll roll with this vibe kind of thing amazing whereas it could have been like yeah like stop doing that yeah <laughs> but no so how do you because like i mean sorry to keep going back geordie shaw it's just such a fucking anomaly in someone's <laughs> life it's crazy like how the people that are in it now how the fuck do they do it because it feels mm-hmm. like you said so different to any other reality tv yeah it's so intense and you are just getting drunk all the time yeah the hangovers the probably the, de- mm-hmm. the inevitable depression of just being alcohol yeah 
um and then just constant filming and i'm guessing the money makes it easier for them but like yeah it takes a certain type of human being to do that right yeah i would agree i think um first of all us geordies are a very different breed like i think for a lot of people who are actually in it it's kind of just the norm right um you get so used to that it. they would be in in the newcastle like life and being on that scene you go out every night like you get pissed you like right. chat shit to people like and that's just kind of the crack but then obviously i suppose as they grow older and like leave and stuff like i know like some of the old cast members have left and been like, i'm never going back and then they'll go back and i understand why because it's like the money and like they'll sell you the dream and stuff yeah um but i mean i guess what they would say behind the scenes would be very different but the people who mtv are really good to who like have their own shows etc not gonna name any names but they will always be like oh no mtv are amazing with the aftercare even though it's a blatant lie maybe they're amazing with you because you make them a lot of money yeah you're like the star of the show not with everyone unfortunately but i just i do want to reiterate i love every single one of the cast members actually yeah so i'm definitely getting that vibe don't yeah. worry about it i'm get, it's just a it's a crazy world isn't yeah it? they're just really nice people yeah but they do i feel like the vast majority when they're actually out of their contracts and they're doing their own thing like i think they will turn around and like speak their truth kind of thing yeah i think that would be so awesome and so empowering it would be really powerful wouldn't there. it yeah i was right? actually going to make like a documentary on it um earlier this year with this guy from newcastle who like films stuff but he's actually ended up getting a job with itv i think as like a cameraman he's like i actually don't want to like jeopardize my yeah, future career and i was like yeah i was thinking i was thinking that when you start doing it obviously if you want to be in this industry this probably isn't the way to go but we were actually like in the process of contacting people and setting up meetings and we we're gonna do this whole thing you could be the stacy dooley it could be the stacy dooley couldn't <gasps> maybe Man, you may- would be so good at that maybe i'll like do it on my own but he was just really helping us out well, you never know if there's any like directors or filmmakers in the Newcastle <laughs> area listening. Like, Hit me up. Because that would be so, I would fucking watch that in yeah. a heartbeat. And it would be so, so cool to see. Because I was even, th- like at first, like a lot of people were like, I would love to do this, but I can't. But I was thinking I could even do it like anonymous. Like, yeah, do you know what I mean? Very that true. would probably be even cooler. Yeah, exactly. It's people be like, who, who is that person? Yeah. yeah. Like, get the speculation and the hype going. Man, put that out into the universe. That needs to fucking happen. <laughs> wow. Okay, we should probably actually ask some of the questions. Okay, so you know it. 70 questions, all ridiculous. And you are just going to pick a number between 1 and 70. Mm hmm. What, I do that right now? You're going to do that right now. Pick a number. Okay, um, number seven, please. Ooh, what made you go there? Seven's like my lucky number. Wow, this isn't a fucking lucky number, oh, my friend. Fuck. <laughs> it's my favourite question, though. Out okay. of the whole 70. Excellent. <laughs> what was the most traumatic part of your childhood? Oh, my God. So, this is an interesting one for me because I feel like it's very evident that I seem to have daddy issues. However, growing up, my family were fairly functional. Um, as I've got older, things started to twist. But I do always wonder where these daddy issues actually came from. However, like, I know that I had, like, friends. You know when you're really little? Like, when you're, like, five, six, and you grow up with people and you kind of just stuck with them because, like, they live in your street or, like, all this jazz. And I actually had a few friends growing up that were, like, I didn't realise I was older and I actually reflected on it. But they were, like really horrible to us and like would always put us down um and like 
wanted me to realize that like i'm not the cool one there the cool one do you know what i think and like you know when you look back and you're like god i can't believe i let that person talk to me like that or like do that to me or like yeah so there was stuff like that when i was little and i think that might have had an effect on why i have anxiety because yeah i think i always kind of thought like things would get taken away from me or like people would like run away from me or like do you know what i mean right yeah it does all boil down to stuff like that so like but i will say i didn't have anything like hugely traumatic in my childhood but like my family do have a history of like mental health problems right and so there's been issues um where my mom's struggled and she's try to do like things to herself and we've had to like bring that round and then obviously like growing up we're never really that family that are like oh like I love you do you know what I mean we obviously yeah. love each other but we're just it just wasn't our vibe and yeah. I think I think that's okay actually but then like when that happened we we're like like kind of try to force it on us like oh I have to say like I love you every day and I'm like you can't just start saying that when we're like older like yeah. it's not natural to us yeah it's like even now like sometimes like they'll heavily be like i love you sarah and i'm like fuck's sake i love you too <laughs> yeah. but it's like yeah man a bit of, bit so do you think one. the depression and stuff that because it's genetic right it depression? is genetic yeah and so your mum struggled with that yeah and massively. so did i think my grandma did and i think people on my dad's side did as well wow. my, well my dad struggled badly with anxiety he's been like hospitalized with it before and stuff so and my mom obviously has like the depression so it was evident that i would have something i think when did it start kind of creeping in for you um i think the anxiety's probably always been there since being little oh bloody hell we are right we are in, in newcastle so yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah i think it's strange because you know when people say they're extroverted and introverted that was very much me like i was a very showy off child like I love to be centre of attention. Like, I had to be, like, really alternative. Like, the other girls would, like, dress up as, like, cats. And I'd be like, I literally sit, man. Like, I want to be a granddad. Like, draw wrinkles on my face. I'll wear, like, a <laughs> fur coat. Just as such a little attention seeker. But at the same time, I was also, like, really quite nervous, I think. Um, and so I think that just carried on. But I didn't realise it was anxiety until, like, teenage years. And then that's when I started having... Um, like panic attacks and stuff can you remember your first ever one yeah i can my first panic attack was i was drinking actually no that was panic attack number two my first panic attack was after leeds festival um and i'd obviously like had loads of alcohol i'd just been doing all the shit that i shouldn't have been doing and like I like I feel like I was like losing the sensation in my hands and I like dropped this hat and I like couldn't couldn't recover how to like pick it back up and I was like oh my god like what's this feeling inside my soul like I feel like I'm going to die like but I didn't express it to anyone because I didn't want to alarm anyone so I just kind of like dealt with it internally and then there was another instant after that I must have been about like 16 um drinking again I think drink is like a huge trigger Catalyst, for me yeah. yeah um I just always used to think like I can't get my breath and I would hyperventilate that's how it manifested when I was younger and then as I've got older like it's weird because it changes form like sometimes it can be the hyperventilating which is what I think it is for most people but then it kind of started to be like I would get like a pain in my heart which is obviously it's just in your head but like it really hurts and like I'm like I'm having a heart attack or like I always think I'm having a stroke because I'm very stressy person so I think it's like inevitable it'll happen to me kind of thing but obviously it's just like catastrophizing yeah and it's just like your body scan 
Um, but it's obviously just the way that my mind works, unfortunately. And then I think, I don't know how no one picked up, including myself, on the fact that I had depression when I was a teenager. Because, like, I was, like... I was really sad like I remember just being so so sad about like the stupidest stuff and I used to look at everyone like getting on with things and being so successful and being so proactive and productive and I would be like why is that not me like I don't understand why my mind doesn't work like that but when we were little like wasn't any resources on depression or mental health the school never touched upon it which is disgusting when you think back if someone had talked about it in a lesson it might have been like oh I'll go and see someone about that because that's how I feel but it just there was no internet really like you just wouldn't have known yeah I think it's such a good thing now that it is so open and like people get pissed off and they're like god everyone talks about mental health now like it's like people who don't even have it and I'm like I'd rather people who don't actually have it talk about it than no one ever talking about I'd rather people over talk about it do you know what I mean because I talk about it a lot and I feel like there must be some people like god she really pities herself and I'm like it's not that it's that it's a huge part of my day-to-day life it heavily affects us whether I always display it or not like I do often put on a front that like it's not happening like I'm just like god Sarah's so happy whatever but if I don't talk about it or I don't share that little picture that's gonna like help someone like it's just not enough yeah because especially if you were that younger kid who felt really sad all the time yeah now there's instagram and they might be following you and be like oh maybe that's what this is but you didn't have that at that time to yeah ever even wonder could this be what that is yeah how does when did it kind of like peak for you then when were you like i actually need to find ways to cope now like therapy or meditation and stuff um so i first went to see a doctor i think i must have been about 18 19 because i wanted to kill myself which obviously isn't a normal thing but like many people will have suicidal thoughts in their life but I kind of like I had a feeling I was like I don't think I would be able to go ahead with this but I fantasize about it do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so I would think like I would love to just not wake up like I I wouldn't want to do it myself but I would love it if that was to happen and I was like that's not normal yeah um and that's when I first went to see a doctor about it and I think I went in and I I got scared so I pretended that I had like like a fever or something but I had like tears in my eyes and like the guy just saw straight through it he's like do you want to talk and I was like yeah and then um the like referred us to therapy but you know what it's like like you don't hear from them for months so they sent me a letter like maybe like four months later and they were like you can have your therapy appointment and I was like nah I'm not going to that wow I should have went right but when you're feeling better I think I was feeling a touch better just on that day even do you know what I mean exactly it can be so kind of momentary yeah and then uh I don't think I returned I didn't return to therapy until I started having like proper panic disorder which is where you have the fear of having a panic attack because you have them so often so you're just trapped in a cycle of like feedback loop yeah like every day you're like I'm gonna have a panic attack so like I'll constantly have to pull over the car or like just all sorts of stupid stuff and that's when I started like seeing my first therapist because obviously the like NHS are so slow with it uh, I had to pay so I went to like a private lady but luckily she works in my work building um, yeah she's such a cool lady and I was seeing her for a while and then I was like this is costing me a lot of money but I actually she actually cured me for a bit so like I got cured and I was like I think she went on holiday for like two weeks and then before that I was having a panic attack like every day I was having them in the room while I was speaking to her about it oh my god but then when she came back like I was like like I walked in the office I don't think she expected it I was like something has clicked like I haven't had a panic attack like I feel absolutely sound and she was like well 
I can't be taking money off you anymore so like maybe like call me if you ever need me but sounds like you're doing good and then uh, I was good for like a month and then it just came back with a vengeance fuck can you like pinpoint in any way why that would be or why that month was so different was anything different for you well I started taking into account the things that she'd been telling us to do and so like obviously like the meditation like I think gratitude was a lot of it like I was just waking up and thinking like like there's sad stuff going on like I have this condition which affects us but I'm so lucky in other ways uh and I just started to think more positively and like I was like eating better and just like don't know something did just click but then like I say it's not linear and if you have anxiety or depression once you recover I think there's like a one in three chance that you'll relapse and then by the second relapse that doubles so obviously I've had many relapses so like it's it's never gonna fully go and I've just kind of accepted that that you just have to like ride the waves of when it's good and when it's bad so then I went back um and it took us to physically be on the crisis team like line being like I like really want to harm myself like I'm really really struggling like I want to either like admit myself to like a ward or like I need help now kind of thing and that's when they like sped up the process that I could see someone and then I was seeing someone and I find this so strange so like I can't fault her because she taught us techniques that have really helped us and like once again I got cured from that but like it's came back etc um but I found it really strange because my first lady who was private she was like a therapist but also a counsellor so she knew everything about me but this lady didn't know a single thing about me apart from my name and because it's that sort of therapy um they don't actually ask you anything about your past etc and I just found it so strange I was like how are you supposed to treat me if you if you don't know like me struggle yeah like we're entirely made up of our past yeah that's who we that's, are that's like, the why I have these of... problems yeah and so I found that so strange but then my other therapist lady who's lashes I do who I always talk about um she said it's because it's like it's two different types of training so if you train to do that you're not trained in the counseling okay. and it'd be too expensive to train everyone in like both aspects which I kind of understand but I think it's so important though it's such a, like it's vital it yeah it's like but I think they do it back to front because after that therapy like I had my sessions and she was like do you want further therapy and I was like I'm feeling really good but I do because I know how long it took me to get here and I don't want to waste the resources she's like well I can refer you on to counseling but I think that counseling should be stage one yeah. and then the other stuff should be stage two really that makes so much more sense I think so even if you just have one session of half an hour at the start and be like this is what happened like growing up this is like like this is I the am. foundation of me yeah you can work on the rest that makes so much sense definitely so where are you in the wave now um oh. I've had a really good like three weeks like I've had like the odd moment I still have anxiety all the time and I still think these stupid irrational thoughts in my head where I'm like I'm having a panic attack I'm having a stroke but I know somewhere deep inside that I'm not and I'm able to like tame the symptoms before it becomes like hyperventilating like pins and needles like pass out whatever so I feel really good and I am this is controversial but I actually stopped taking my medication like a week ago I've took one tonight because I was like just in case do you know what I mean like going out and about but um I'm gonna try and like wean myself off it but obviously I'm not promoting that to anyone because you need to speak to GP and stuff but mine is only a beta blocker and so I was just reducing the dosage anyway and then I was like right I'm only taking like half a pill a day so I can probably do this without and then that's the whole thing of anxiety if you believe you can do it then you can do it do you know what yeah, I mean totally. so I'm feeling very good feeling very positive 
but and it must feel nice to take control over yeah. your own like body and self and be like i am going to not do this and i'm gonna do more of this and i'm gonna see because like, i guess all you can do is experiment really and test yeah see what works for you and then in a couple of weeks i guess if it doesn't you're like okay i'll go back to this and yeah like do half of it or whatever it is yeah man it's a it's a hell of a lot though isn't it like i when i hear people talk about anxiety and panic disorders and stuff i just feel for them so much because yeah. i can't relate Mm-hmm. and i'm like really glad i can't relate yeah. because it just sounds terrifying like you're just on the edge all the time it's like literally the worst thing in the world and i think the saddest thing is that like because i have this like irrational thought process like sometimes i make like bargains in my head and like i remember in the height of it how bad it was like i would think in my head like right whoever's listening like it's not god because i don't believe in god but whoever is like hearing my thoughts like if you can give us I'll take double the depression. Like, I'll be double sad if you can take that part away. Wow. Because it's literally, like... Debilitating. The person... Like, imagine your own self not being able to look after yourself and your own mind going against you. Like, it's the worst thing in the world. It's like having someone horrendous inside your brain. But it's it's you. It's fucking awful. Like, there's literally... I've never faced a worse battle in my entire life than having, like proper bad anxiety and panic panic disorder and i feel like it is so hard for people to understand who don't have it because i think there's a lot of like people that i go around with who didn't know me maybe maybe they knew me like a year ago when it wasn't so bad and they haven't seen the height of it like only really really close friends and like my family have seen us when i've been like literally like scream crying on the floor being like i need help or i'm gonna like do something stupid and i think it's like people just think oh anxiety they're nervous and I'm like that's not true I'm a really confident person but I have these irrational phobias of illness or like that something bad's gonna happen or something's gonna be taken away from me just because they've been like themes within my life and right. it's so sad it's awful but like I say like with the the mindfulness and training my mind not to think that way and like just going with the thoughts like say I have a thought in my head that's like something awful is going to happen to you like when you walk in this bar like you're gonna have heart attack then the other part of my brain i'll be like that's a complete like catastrophization of what's actually gonna happen you're gonna walk in the bar you're gonna get a drink and you're gonna enjoy your night just like everyone else like you kind of just have to like hug those thoughts with like the other part and be like you have to use the rational side more and i think that's a problem people with anxiety are people who are really super sensitive and they're empaths and that's me because i think too emotionally and when you use that part of your brain too much, it overtakes and you can't use the logic side. I think, I mean, I'm no expert. This is just what I've concluded. No, but like if you, you're going through it and have been going through it for so long, then you are you are pretty much an expert in that field for yeah. you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can imagine mindfulness being so helpful. Did it take you like a while to grasp that? Because I know even for me, even just the the thought of realizing that you're not your thoughts and mm-hmm. that just because you have one doesn't mean you have to follow it down that track and, yeah but that's like a hard that's hard to grasp i think to, to realize you're not the person in your brain and that you can kind of control it like did that take time for you to practice yeah and i think i still have to work on it like it's all so strange because like i'm literally a different person now to who i've been in the past like in the past like I haven't even been the best person like I used to make really bad decisions like sometimes I would take like my anger out on other people like I could I was really destructive like I used to love arguing with people and like I just 
I don't know when I look back at that person like no one ever stopped us and was like the way that your thought process is isn't right right like do you think you would have been able to hear that though had someone being like your thought process or because it would be so hard to to even understand at that point like what the fuck you don't know my brain like yeah I, it must yeah it just must be so hard i really feel for you yeah but i think what like i say like i was forced to recognize it when i started having like all the mental health problems and stuff and i was just like i can't go on every day in this negative mindset like you've just got like i think the thing with anxiety right is you stress about the past and you stress about the future but that is literally the most pointless counterproductive emotion you can ever have in your life. Like, life is what's happening to you at the present. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you literally just have to wake up. Like, maybe I had a bad day yesterday, but I woke up today and I'm like, I'm going to have a good day today. Like, yesterday's gone. Like, it's literally gone. Like, you can sit and stew over things that have happened to you in the past and you can replay them in your head over and over again. It does nothing. So, like, I try and put my brain into, like, productive stuff. And I think that's why I, like, threw myself into my work. Like, I work a lot of hours and, like... I spend a lot of time like researching how I can be better within my job and like just like networking and stuff like that and I think just having an outlet to do something is like so amazing and you'll know yourself obviously with that's your music for you I think once people find like kind of like their passion and what gives them a little bit of fire if you can like channel all that energy that you have in like dwelling on other stuff and sad stuff just put it into that if you can like it's easier said than done it comes with practice it's like like meditation like I'm a pro at it now because I've done it for so long but like when I started like I didn't really know what I was doing do you know what I mean yeah. so it's just the same as anything it's a skill you have to practice and you have to train yourself and you just gotta you gotta be patient and forgive them with yourself as well like I forgive myself for a lot of stuff like there's a lot of stuff that I've done in the past where I'm like I shouldn't have done that I'm not gonna beat myself up over it every single day man you're amazing i like there's so much strength to you and what you're saying like to go through what you've gone through anyway like the kind of the the physical stuff of actually just going through geordie shore whatever mm-hmm. but then to have the kind of panic disorders the the side order of depression the kind of irrational thoughts like you know wanting to die and stuff and to come out of that and be like no i choose gratitude every day and mm-hmm. like that stuff's so powerful and it's so hard for people to get there. I feel like, yeah. And the fact that you're like, yeah, you know, I can be forgiving to myself. Like to go from that to that is huge. Like, and that takes so much work. So I feel like, I feel like you're amazing. That takes such work and you've put in that work and that's just so fucking cool that is so nice to hear thank you <laughs> honestly though it's because it's, i feel like i was kind of forced into it though because it's it's like what they say like when you hit rock bottom there's nowhere to go lower like literally i had to do it if i didn't do it i would have done something stupid so yeah. I'm, I, I'm so glad that i did do that yeah i because it's weird i when mum died i actually put that on one of my videos the other day i wasn't i wouldn't count myself self as suicidal because i was i was terrified of actually doing it yeah the thought of it was just like oh no i couldn't actually do it but i would think about it all day every day and i know categorically had i been given a way out yeah i would have done it in a heartbeat yes that's what i always think like in those times if someone like i wouldn't have physically been able to do it myself because i'm like so scared of pain like i have anxiety for god's sake i'm not gonna like stick my head in the oven do you know what i mean but if someone was to give me 
two pills and be like right you can you can take this one and like you just won't wake up you won't feel anything like i would have done it as well same so i don't know what that's called because it is being suicidal but it's obviously not acting on it do you know what i yeah. mean but like if you fantasize about it i think like you need to like take action on that yeah do you know what i mean but like thank god we were never given that way out no yeah it is it's so true what they say that just wait a couple more days like things can change so quickly like yeah. energy moves so quickly um and i actually after this last breakup and a couple days after it i was do you know what genuinely it was worse than losing mum yeah and that sounds so fucked up but my mum always said it like when someone dies they don't choose to leave you but when someone breaks up with you they are choosing to leave you and so that rejection feels almost worse and i text my dad who's like gp slash holistic doctor now and i said to him like (laughs) it's really sad but i text him saying i if i still feel this sad in a year can you please just help me die yeah just thinking like you know he will have the ways to help me do it kind of ethically but i mean of course my fucking dad's not gonna be like yeah, yeah no that's worries obviously like you're in such a traumatic time the emotional side of you of your brain is taken over and you would have genuinely thought in that moment like this is what i want so much my, my dad will do it obviously he's not gonna do that but you're not in your rational headspace no. at that time but, but it like yeah. been so like shocked to get that message blessing i know and it must have been very like sad for him to hear too it's not and it's not something i would ever message obviously yeah but i rem- like it's crazy the depths of where your mind can go because mm-hmm. you know like when <laughs> you're describing your moments in geordie shore i feel like on the video and you were kind of scratching yourself yeah. whatever i was like it was the most amount of emotional pain i have ever felt and I was scratching my legs and just going absolutely fucking insane. Mm-hmm. But literally two days later, I was so fine again. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, it, it still hurt, but like I was nowhere near that depth. But it terrifies me just knowing that that depth exists. Yeah. I know how sad I can get now. Mm-hmm. And I am terrified. I never want to be in that position again. And yeah. I'm so, and I think, like you said, when you get to those real, real lows, there really is only the way up, and you, exactly. you, you can't go anywhere else because you're, and probably because you are so terrified of ever getting that low again. You're like, right, I'm gonna put stuff in place to make sure I never get that low yeah. again. So, whether it be like meditating or gratitude and stuff, those things are just so important. And I've realized that even in the past year, like setting intentions, and it's all the kind of spiritual crap, but actually is just so helpful yeah gratitude just getting outside of the house going for a walk and it's all stuff that i really can't be asked to do but i know categorically if i did it monday to friday i am gonna fucking feel on top of the world i think it is so important i'm reading a book at the minute um and it's about like how well it's not all about this it's just the current bit i'm reading is about how imperative your morning routine is to the rest of your day uh which i agree with like it's it explained it in the way of like give an example of a lady that woke up and like all these things happened to her and then listed next to it was written like msd so that means like a micro stress something so if you think about if you wake up and the first thing you do your alarm goes off it's a blare and horrible noise and then you scroll instagram and you see like a sad story or like something that's upset you 
and then that's like two what no that's three micro stresses already oh, right, before okay. you've even moved from your bed and so he recommends that you like wake up don't look at your phone like the first thing to do would be just do like a quick five minute meditation like I'm grateful for the day whatever and then I think the second one is movement so like I'll like make like my coffee or whatever decaf ob anxiety goals um (laughs) and then like just do like literally like some stretches like I just like creak my neck and like do this in my arms and like just stretch myself out a bit because it's it's so it's so true like if I go to work and I haven't done that I'm obviously gonna be hunched over and like all uncomfortable and then so it's mindfulness movement oh and meditation which I've already done so okay right then like in the mindfulness you could just set like three goals for the day and they don't even have to be big like it can be like just go make sure you go outside yeah or like read a page of a book or something and once you've like achieved those goals like you feel like your day has been so much more productive than if you hadn't done that and like it's wild like I've been doing it for a couple weeks and like I feel like I have such a better day when it started off on like a high note that's amazing I really really because I have had weeks where I've had things in place like I definitely make sure that every single time I shower I'm I say out loud all the things I'm grateful for that's in my routine now but like I was saying before meditation is it's one of those things I know I have to do it but almost because it's there and something I suddenly now have to do I don't want to do it which is ridiculous but again like you said once you put something in and do it for like a week you really fucking see the difference in your like mental well-being um exercise is my thing yeah like, do you like exercise is that a no. part of no me I, neither i do not like exercise in any way shape or form how are you with like body image and stuff um it's a strange one because i've always been one of those really annoying people like until like maybe this year where i was like i can eat what i want and i can do what i want and i was never like in shape but i was always small do you know what i mean so I was okay like I've never felt like oh I'll go on holiday I'll not wear a bikini but then this year has been the first year where I'm like yeah I probably wouldn't be comfortable like I'll have to do something like I've actually like went up a dress size for like the first time in my life so I think I don't know if it's like I've pinned it down to my medication but when you google it it's mixed reviews like they don't say that weight gain is a side effect of what I take okay but then other people have like commented on the forum being like yeah I've literally like expanded and I'm like yeah I don't understand like I feel like I'm eating better than ever but I'm getting bigger so that's like part of the reason why I've stopped taking it because I'm like why is it affecting my body okay yeah to kind of test that out as well in that way but then I feel like my job is fairly active like when you do makeovers and stuff like you're all up and down um and then obviously like you say like I started doing dance class which I do more I think for my mind um it's just nice to be it's all my friends from school because it's my school friend that runs it who like I managed to get disconnected from because we just all led such busy lives it's just so nice to be around like nice genuine people just yeah. like doing something that's not serious do you know what I mean yeah. but I suppose that's a touch of exercise but definitely I'm trying to do it more like I've been doing like mini little workouts and shit but like you say I'm not one of them people that's like god I'm so pumped like I really enjoyed that like fuck that like I do it because I like want to be littler so. I know I, I I make no bones about that I'm like I envy the people that are that just like to do exercise because they're like i want to feel fit and healthy i'm yeah. like no i want to lose weight that will be the only <laughs> fucking reason i exercise yeah i can assure you but it's not it's not good enough because it's not keeping me doing it ever i yeah. always like stop i've been on this cycle fucking since i was probably 13 it's so sad i look back at 
you know facebook has the on this day thing yeah and just all of them from like 10 years ago are me talking about a diet that i'm going on and i need to lose weight blah 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 fucking look at me when i'm 18 i am a stick yeah now i'm up three dress sizes uh-huh. and i'm like kate 18 year old kate you had fucking no idea how good you had it oh my god but i was stressing about losing weight even yeah. then but it's a decade later like we're women now do you know yeah, what i mean like fucking women it's also part of it that just thinks like god like who cares like when i actually think about it like what i am attracted to etc i don't like like muscle men or like i like men who are like either like like they're not athletic do you know what i mean like i couldn't care if they took off the top and like the, they had like a roll or like whatever i'll be like yes cute do you know what i mean yeah and i, I wouldn't give a shit either. if you don't have that mindset then i pr- probably don't want to be associated with you anyway i think the priority should always be your head yes over your, your physical body that's so that's true. controversial topic but I, I think it is like, that's so true i wouldn't be happy if i was getting up at 6am and um doing like an insanity workout i'd be like i'd look lush but I don't know I think it would probably like destroy us so I think that's the point you have to like learn the balance like if you're saying like you don't fully enjoy it but like you like to go on a walk and get outside maybe try and make that your exercise yeah I think so because because I know obviously from doing these kind of little bouts of exercising Mm -hmm. and dieting I know that when I exercise I feel amazing it's so strange like you know that a gets you to b Mm -hmm. and you know that happiness is over there when you just do some exercise and yet you're like no don't want to do it it's like why it's it's going to make you feel better yeah um i just i it's something i've never got down and i need i want to my goal is to try and figure all this shit out before i'm 30 but that is not gonna happen (laughs) um but i think i'd like that would be the thing that would maybe keep me going is just do it for the head like you know you're gonna feel good after it you want to feel good every day yeah even like you said it doesn't have to be a fucking insanity workout just yeah. go for a walk because you know that's gonna make you feel good and it's some amount of exercise even if it's not vigorous exactly oh fucking exercise i hate it <laughs> right let's pick another number i feel like we we've got so much I've got, conversation I've only picked one yeah number. literally one number jeez um i pick 28 28 okay Oh, when have you caused the most harm to yourself? Shit. Physically That's, or emotionally. That is deep. Yeah, isn't it? we don't mess around. Um probably after my most recent breakup, I think, unfortunately. Like in the midst of like when it happened, uh I was just I just I don't think I've ever felt sadness that so sad. Like I was just like used to like my time to cry would be like in the car on the way to work and then on the way home from work because like when I was at work I would get, like I just want to make everyone happy do you know what I mean I just want to like yeah so I just remember just being like so sad and just being like so destructive as well like just doing stuff that wasn't gonna help like going out and like getting drunk and doing all this horrible stuff and just like ruminating like it's a big anxiety thing obviously like I would just go over situations in my head and be like why has this happened like why has this person done this like yeah like you're you're your own worst enemy in those yeah and I feel like I nearly lost the plot again like I was thinking in my head like I'm gonna have to give up everything that I've worked so hard for which is like my business and stuff because I was thinking I don't know if I'm like strong enough to like just 
function every day do you know what i mean um but obviously like i fought through it but is that the the time when i've done the most harm myself i just think my my thoughts were very damaging and i was like beating myself up over stuff which i shouldn't have been doing yeah because i i remember talking to my mum about this once because she's a counselor and then Uh went through her phase of being a monk on a mountain and shit um (laughs) so she was always the best with this advice but i remember saying to her because you understand mindfulness you get to a point where you can watch your thoughts you know where they're going yeah but it so many points in my life i i know exactly what i'm doing i know what my brain's doing and i do not stop it yeah and she put it so eloquently she was like you're letting your ego going go on a spending spree of devastation (sighs) and i was like that's such a cool way of putting at it but it's it's so true like i'm just i'm like yeah fucking brain go nuts like yeah. make me feel horrendous <gasps> and i'll just go into it for like an hour even though i'm watching myself do it i feel like yeah emotionally it's so i think people do harm to themselves every single day yeah. in that way yeah that's that's true actually because i feel like the whole mindfulness thing is like trying to train your soul as well as your ego they're like polar opposites but like you say like when you want to get in that sadness mode like you would stick on like a sad film or like listen to sad music and like this is harming me but like i'm still do it because it feels good but like you, you you come to learn that like actually i'm actually gonna do stuff that like uplifts me yeah do you know what i mean but it's, it's a so easy balance done. though isn't there because yeah. i i don't think i've learned this very recently i don't think it's good to avoid pain yeah like this this book the untethered soul have you ever read it i haven't fuck me like it's absolutely insane um <laughs> but it talks about pain emotional pain as being like a thorn in your body right and you so for example actually, i won't go into the real example because there's people involved but whatever it is there's something you're trying to avoid hearing about or whatever and so you build like a little fort around your arm and then it just gets bigger and bigger you're terrified people are gonna brush into you and it just affects mm-hmm. every single interaction you have and then you like it kind of builds up this picture and it's like rather than spending your entire life trying to protect this thing just go into it take it out like face it head on yeah lean into the pain and having done that i mean i spent a couple months like trying to avoid hearing about like my ex or mm-hmm. avoid seeing people that had seen him and blah 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 and it was just messing with my head it was messing with my friends heads and I was like this this isn't good like and I was talking to my dad and he was saying like there's no point avoiding that like yeah go into it and so I was like you know what I'm gonna make that a conscious decision so I was like I met up with these friends and I was like I'm sorry I've kind of been trying to avoid you and avoid hearing about it but actually yeah that's what's going to make me grow that's so Mm -hmm. it's a weird balance to where to draw the line with pain where where is it too much let your like stop letting your brain go that far and then where is it actually i need to face that i agree i think you definitely have to feel it you have to you have to feel it like in depth and you have to be sad about stuff but there has to be a point where you can't let it consume you but I know what you mean because I feel like maybe I'm not the best if because I'm more of like an avoidance. Whereas like, like I did the same, like I isolated myself from like so many of my friends I became distant from everyone because I didn't want to hear anything about a certain situation. I didn't want to go anywhere where I might see someone. And like, 
obviously with that person being like it person like in the Newcastle scene like he's just everywhere so a lot of my friends would want to go where he would be and I would just be like well there's no point in us going because it's going to be a sad night for me so like I became like very withdrawn but like my therapist was like no do you know what you need to actually attend because you're catastrophizing everything like just go in it'll be fine do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but then like someone else said to me like no I, I don't agree with that like if you know it's gonna upset you then just don't put yourself in that situation I think it's very subjective I think there's times when you could apply it and there's times when you're like yeah I'm gonna take myself out of that situation because if it makes me super uncomfortable I'm not gonna do it but then I should also be training my head to be like you can't do that though yeah do you know what I mean but you definitely have to feel the pain because I know so many people who like aren't facing their problems and I'm like if you don't they will resurface they'll mm-hmm. resurface 10 years later yeah and it'll be even worse and they'll manifest in all your relationships etc going forward yeah so it's just finding the balance yeah. I think because I, I asked my dad that as well when it came to this situation I was like I don't know where to draw the line what feels too much and he was like you will know what feels too much when it suddenly becomes overwhelming and you actually physically cannot deal with it that's when you know take yourself out of it that's not a good but yeah he kind of put it down to like a gut feeling you kind of know what's a good pain to just yeah the ripping the plaster off type thing and now having done it I'm like I'm so I'm so glad I did that because like you said you are catastrophizing all the time like I made it so much fucking worse in my head than it really was in real life and I feel like that could be said for quite literally every <laughs> every part of my life. Mm-hmm. Isn't it always worse in your head? Yeah. Always. And I was actually listening to a podcast recently about something similar. Um, whereby there's two different types of pain. So there's like dirty pain and there's clean pain. And clean pain is where you feel the pain and you know it's legit because it's something that would happen. Whereas dirty pain would be like oh, does this person not like me anymore because they've been slightly off with me? Like, clean pain would be like, this person's expressed to me, they don't like me, so I'm going to hurt about it. But the dirty pain is, like, so counterproductive, you can't pass out about this stuff. Like, it will just eat you alive. Yeah. you just got to think, like, it's so many times, like, be present in the moment and just be like, what will be, will be. Like, you, I spend so long trying to, like, stop situations happening, like, preventing them by, like, doing just stupid stuff and then I was just like yeah but those things if they do happen they're meant to happen like you've just got to let it just got to let it crack on do you know what I mean it's a hard pill to swallow it is but it's also once you swallow that pill (laughs) kind of like an ecstasy pill once you get over the hurdle and you're like it's actually so liberating when you realize how little control you have which is weird because as human beings all we want to do is control the outcome yeah but the fact is we like whatever the fuck is gonna happen is gonna happen yeah like you may as well just go along with the ride and i listened to this um podcast episode i think it was jay shetty Mm -hmm. um interviewing mike posner you know that i took a pill weirdly just talking about an ecstasy pill um (laughs) but he universe (laughs) i know right he was talking to some kind of like meditation guru and um and he just put it really simply he was like it's much easier to just love everything yeah and it's it's not like it's impossible in our in our like human brains but it's to resist what is is just stupid it's it's a waste of an energy and emotion in you like 
today like the stupid example of me being hung over and being like oh this fucking sucks i just wish blah 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 and it's like well it isn't so you may as well <laughs> just get the fuck on board with it and be like okay this feels a bit crap but it is what it is i'm trying to think of a better fucking thing than a hangover but now since this book the untethered soul which i will never stop going on about link in description if you want to <laughs> buy it full disclosure it's from my amazon shop so i'll be getting a cut but um <laughs> Yeah, what was it saying? Oh, kind of about emotional pain, like when you just see it as an energy and that's literally it. So like there's nothing to ever be scared of because you, once you become present, you start realizing, oh, okay, yeah, I'm feeling really sad. My heart's like beating really fast. I can I can feel it and I'm noticing it. And then to just, to just notice it, you don't have to run with yeah. it and let your brain go catastrophizing. You can just be like, okay, yeah, this feels crap it's cool i'm just gonna ride it out like i'm gonna welcome it yeah so don't let it feel what it does you know don't like feel it and then beat yourself up over it like don't be like why am i feeling this like you feel it and you'll be like i feel like this and then you just let it wash over and you just forgive yourself like so what like this human yeah being kind to yourself so important isn't it oh god yeah it's like the main thing i feel yeah i'm constantly trying to encourage because it's such a normal human thing for us to do especially like I know, for example, we know what's going to make us feel good and we don't do it. And so it's so easy to be like, well, of course I'm going to fucking beat myself up. I didn't do the thing that I knew my brain was good. But the fact is, like, that is just human nature. We're pretty crap sometimes and we fail a lot all of the time. But, like, I always, always say to my friends, if ever they're in that kind of situation, what would you say to me if I was in that? And it's a completely different ball game. They're like, oh, well, I'd say, chill out. Don't worry about it. Don't beat yourself up. And I'm like, well, say that, say to, that yourself. to yourself. Yeah. It's hard though, isn't it? It's so hard. Like there's so many situations I've been in where I look back and I'm like, God, if I was on the outside in, like I would tell my friend like not to do that or to feel differently about it. And I think it's a very wise thing to start doing that to yourself. And I think it comes with maturity. Like, 10 years ago like I wouldn't like you say I would just revel in like the sadness and just feel it whatever but now I'm like god I literally don't have time for this like I ain't got the time like I've got to have a good day today so I'm just gonna be grateful for like all the things around me and I think I also removed the bad things from my life like when you actually start removing the toxicity it's amazing how much better your life becomes like I don't surround myself with like I used to be around a lot of yes people and a lot of people who I think were in my company because I was a party girl and they just wanted to stay up all night or they wanted to get in the cool club or like they wanted to like do whatever. So I was just surrounded by all these people who would have backstabbed me in 0.4 seconds. Do you know what I mean? And many of them did. So I was just like, do these people actually make me feel good about myself? No, who makes me feel good about myself? It's the people I grew up with, people who like are physically caring, amazing people who don't care about like social status and all that stuff. And I guess it's just when I was kind of trying to chase the fame game and think that the grass was greener. But like when I've sat back and matured and realised, God, I feel so, so much happier away from anything like that. Wow, that's so cool. What did Justin Bieber say? Grass ain't always greener on the other side it's green where you water it facts I from mean, isn't that true <laughs> i really thought you were gonna sing that then i got really excited <laughs> imagine just full on sing the whole song 
that's where I'm going to end it today, guys. Don't forget, you can get the last 15 minutes of that episode exclusively on patreon.com slash Kate McGill for as little as $1 a month. I hope you loved my chat with Sarah. I absolutely love her and it was such a pleasure to talk to her. Like I said, one of my favorite conversations so far. Don't forget to follow us on social media if you haven't already at We Dive Deeper. Join in the conversation. Let me know what you think of the episodes. Let me know if I could do something better. If you want more of something or you want us to discuss a specific topic, let me know because I love hearing what you guys think. Uh, And it's just so cool to build a community of people that enjoy becoming self-aware and enjoy self-development. I think it's an awesome thing to do and I'm glad that I've got people that enjoy it as much as I do. So with that being said, go forth, go enjoy your life, go figure out more about yourself and I will see you back here in a couple of weeks for episode two.